Coachella. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm laughing. Because we just, we just had a moment. People don't realize we've made jokes. <laughs> we, we, we have long conversations before we ever get on this podcast. The fact that we talk for usually an hour is actually astounding because we've been talking for probably an hour already. And yeah, then we're like, minutes. and then we go, okay, I guess it's time to start recording. <laughs> but I do have a question. My question is, okay, you have, you went to an event today and you got to see a lot of your colleagues and whatnot. And my question to you is, do you ever feel in your development, because you're, you're someone who I consider a lifelong learner. You have, there are people who are stuck in their ways and they just decide who they, the type of educator they are, and they just stay in that realm forever, it feels like. But you have, I have never seen you not willing to listen, not willing to learn, not willing to take in some other stuff. That doesn't mean you push aside your beliefs or your practices, but you're always willing to listen and kind of go through that process and, and be willing to go, hey, maybe I don't know everything. And I think that's rare. So in, in going and you just recently interacted with a lot of your colleagues and kind of had this, you know, trip down memory lane, so to speak, do you ever feel like you're estranged from people that you grew up with in education? Maybe you went down a different path or do you, or do you feel a, a deep camaraderie with, with the people that you've kind of developed with as an educator? Oh, I feel a camaraderie, really. Um, well, you know, because I've been teaching teachers and doing stuff like that forever. But like, yeah, today my event was uh, going back to my old college days where I played volleyball and, uh, you know, all the basketball players. And anyway, they had an athletic event where they invited all the alumni to come from our, our time period to come in. And they, they uh, let the basket, it was a basketball game. So all the basketball players been on the floor, but they invited the volleyball players too. And, and uh, we were surprised by how many of us ended up being educators. We were starting to, what do you do? What do you do? And so uh, a lot of us are still teaching. There's several that are still teaching and some have become principals. And one started uh, a new job out in um, one of our you know, cities, uh, not too far from here, and has decided to teach science first time he's ever taught science and has been teaching something else for a long time so it's been kind of fascinating to when we all got together and we were all talking about that so it just seemed like yesterday we were all i mean like when they when you know you're in the same gym where you were in and you, you know we had long hours of workouts together and we were like a big family and so everybody came in and and it's like you just you know, we all look older, but we all have the same face. You know what I mean? So you could just, it was like all the names just started popping back in, you know, like this one guy walked by and I went, ah, you know, and I knew his name immediately. And it was just, you know, it was like, it was like old home week. But when, but then the other day I went to go eat with my mom and dad. And as I was going towards their booth uh, at our restaurant, this lady goes, Pam Ochoa. And it's somebody that I taught with years and years ago. And immediately we started talking and then she uh, introduced me to who she was sitting with. And she's like, Oh my gosh, you're Pam Ochoa. So, I mean, she knew who I was because of who, whatever. So, um, you know, even though some of these people, I mean, when, when I met, when I'm talking about this person, like I met at this restaurant, I worked with her 
25 years ago. And yet we just started right on up, knew the same people, talking how things go and started talking shop and even talking about what I, you know, what I taught them. And it was pretty cool. So, yeah, I think I do feel a camaraderie. I don't really feel too distance. If I feel distance, I guess they're not talking to me anymore. <laughs> so I don't know who they are. <laughs> but now I can pretty much just start chatting it up. Well, and I think that's awesome. I, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I I haven't worked in a lot of places, but because of the nature of the campus I was at forever, I've, I know quite a bit of educators who've come and gone. And, mm-hmm. you know, I work on a campus right now that's just massive. And so there's so many educators. And I, I, I just like, uh, you know, there's a few core people who I always say, you know, I grew with them as educators. Um, I developed who I was around them. We became good with each other in terms of just teaching capacity. And it's always nice. It's it's nice to know who your people are. So I thought that was mm-hmm. a good answer. But Miss Ochoa, this is the Crafted Trap Podcast. We talk about reading and writing workshop here and uh, pretty much everything under the sun in terms of teaching. It seems like we're here because right. you're here and everyone else, ladies and gentlemen, this podcast exists because of our supporters over there on our Patreon page they get bonus episodes no one else here they get bonus training and videos no one else here and they get direct access to us we have a great relationship with so many of them and they are alicia brandy leah mark amy sarah rebecca courtney carol melissa destiny Lori, natalie susan tracy andrea hannah Lori, jen and Matt and they keep the lights on they keep the podcast going so if you enjoy this episode if you get to the end of this and you're like holy moly I want to be a part of an amazing community of passionate educators go over there to our patreon page patreon.com slash craft and draft and or you can find that link at craftjeffworkshop.com support us and we will make sure it is worth your while we have a lot of things planned as always and more importantly it's just a place where you get to be around like-minded people, get your questions over here on the Craft and Draft podcast, and so much more. But today, what we're going to be talking about, we're going to go back a little bit. We're going to go, you know, I feel like we go through cycles, I show on this podcast. Mm-hmm. We talk about topics and stuff. We, we just kind of redo the, <laughs> the workshop <laughs> conversation over and over again. I mean, there is, there's so much to talk about, but... You know, I think a great conversation is talking about those those moments at the beginning of a mini lesson where you're getting kids engaged, those moments where you're trying to spark creativity, you're trying to spark interest, you're trying to spark uh, engagement. I think uh, this is a this is a piece of a lesson. I think it's it's one of the most important pieces of a lesson, but it's also a lesson, a piece of a lesson that can be easily messed up. You can. You can you can ruin it in a lot of ways. It can fail in a lot of ways, uh, and it can be an ex- it can be successful in a lot of ways. So that's what we're going to be talking about today: is how to start a great mini lesson. We're going to dive into all of that and more on this episode, ladies and gentlemen. Alrighty, Miss Ochoa, the beginning of a mini lesson. There is, you know, I I think when I think about this, I think back to. When I was working with uh, one of my coaches, who I, I feel like I talk about them every time. It's true. Like, <laughs> I, I, I mean, seriously, like my legacy, if anything, is just being someone who's vocal about all the great people who've helped me. Like, that is literally my like, <laughs> that's all I do is praise the people who have 
shaped me as an educator. Um, and I just happen to be someone that knows enough technology to talk about it on a, on a larger scale, but very few of what I talk about is really original. It's stuff that other people have taught me, but, um, you know, I had a coach who really worked with me about that. And he, he came to me and he said, Hey, you know, you really connect to kids. Let's, let's think about how to really engage them. And he had a really funny thing to where I would, you know, my first year as a history teacher, eighth grade history. Uh, I, it was, a it was during when there were, there was a, it was when, uh, um, in America, for those of you who aren't here, but when all the Ferguson stuff was going on with their water, um, and everything else, um, all the protests and whatnot, it, it just connected a lot to us history. And so I used a lot of that information to shape a lot of our not not the lesson, but kind of like, hey, the stuff that we're talking about now directly relates to the the pieces that shaped America about what government should do or should not do representation, all of that stuff. And so we dove into it a lot. And what I would happen as a young educator and you may relate, you may not is I would take a really great idea for an interesting start to something, maybe a video, maybe Mm -hmm. uh, a really good quote, maybe uh, anything to kind of spark ideas. And what happened was, is I would stay on that for so long, it became the lesson, but it wasn't, (laughs) it wasn't supposed to be the lesson, you know what I mean? And so I would, Mm -hmm. I would kind of stay on the interesting piece so long that it became uninteresting and just, and not really a catch anymore, but really kind of just a, a bad lesson, so to speak, because it wasn't ever designed to go farther than that. And so I kind of just to spark this is. Have you had that where you, you, you got lost in the weeds of creating something that was really interesting and engaging and then later realized you're like, Oh, I never really got to the actual lesson or the standard or whatever. Like what? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, sometimes you'll start, you'll do something like that. And the next thing you know, the kids have so many questions about that, that you're, you're like, well, I got to get, you know, or they start asking about you personally. I do that a lot. Like I'll show something. Like the other day, you know, we were doing monsters do on Maple Street. So I decided to show them just some background information about what caused all the people to be afraid back then. And one of them, of course, was all the UFOs. So I showed something like that. Well, then they were all like, did you live during that time? Did you do? I mean, it just kind of hijacked. I mean, they were anyway, it didn't go the way I wanted it to in one of the classes. So it still happens today. And then it all became about UFOs. And that's not really what I wanted. I wanted them to know why people were nervous about some of the stuff back then. So it wasn't just UFOs, but that was one that they picked up on. And then I had another group go, oh, that's all, that's all fake news. It's just fake news. Everything you just shared with us is fake news. <laughs> I'm like, we didn't even use that term back then. <laughs> so, no. But anyway, it all kind of went south. So yeah, sometimes I do that. I, I think I'm going to be catchy and then it doesn't. It doesn't fly. So what do you, what do you think is a, is a marker of a, of a solid start to a workshop? Because I, you know, to personally these days is my whole thing is I try to find pieces or excerpts that really do connect to kids 
uh, in a way that I know that will connect to them. You know, especially when I know my students, it's like, oh, they're totally going to respond to this or they're going to. Mm -hmm. This is going to rile them up or some way. And it's not because I'm trying to get them riled up. It's that I'm trying to. You know, I'm trying to treat the mini lesson as a catalyst, which I talk about in Rightfully Empowered, which is I want my whatever I show them, regardless of what standard I'm showing, regardless of the focus of the lesson, I want them to respond in a way that gets them working without me saying, okay, now go work. And that piece is is what I feel like, but I'm, I I want to dissect that a little bit. It's one thing to say, hey, when you're having a le- when you're starting a lesson, start with something that engages kids, right? That that's a very, mm-hmm. I mean, it's true, but it's it's a very it doesn't help teachers. So I want to break. This is why I wanted to talk about. So I want to break this down with you a little okay. bit and say, what do you think? It, or what are the markers of a good start to a lesson? The markers of a good start of a lesson. Why do you ask me such hard questions? I like the other one. <laughs> well, you you asked me a question. You, I think it was last week. You said, "How do I ask good questions?" <laughs> no. Oh well, uh, you know that that's kind of tough. I, I would think that um, you know I typically anymore i just i start with the standard and i let them know what we're going to be learning about i i really do that uh, and i let them know why we're doing it so those are two things that i do these days uh but to get their attention a lot of times i might do a quote or i might put a question up there and ask them to answer it um so when I actually start my mini lesson, that's kind of what I do. Now, I'm a little bit different than you, I think, because you start off with the mini lesson, I think, and then you get them going. Me, I'm more of a, I, on my board right now, on Mondays and Wednesdays, I'll have them, you know, get out your book, read, and then I have what I call S square R squared, and then they have to write about whatever they read. And when I ask them a question, that question that I ask them is going to go right into my mini lesson. Does that make sense? So like if I want to talk about figurative language, for example, then I'll ask them to find evidences of figurative language, pull out some sentences that you think would be figurative language in what you read today. And then now what I have is I have so what were some of the questions or what were some of the sentences that y'all had? And then they share one or two of them share their sentences. I write that up. And then I begin my lesson off of that. And I talk to them about well, on our standard today, we're supposed to be learning this. And I, I tell them what the state tells me we're supposed to be learning because that way they know why I'm up there. And uh, so I do that. And then I use, I try to use their work as best I can in, in some of that, like the sentences they find, the examples that they've written down, uh, things like that. And then I create my mini lesson from there. And we'll do, uh, sometimes I'll do notes with them. And sometimes I'll show a video in the middle of my mini lesson. And then we come back to it. So it just depends on what the lesson is. And then uh, I have them usually go back into some of their, if it's about writing, then they go back into their writing and then they apply it. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I, I think I'm more like, I I think about the pieces of workshop a lot. I think it's really Mm -hmm. fascinating to me. And, uh, and truthfully to go back to even last podcast, we're talking about like observations. 
Um, right. when, I, when I talk to teachers uh, through pre-conferences or just, even when I'm talking to teachers anyway, like if I'm just observing or watching a lesson, I am deeply, deeply, deeply fascinated with just the moment to moment beat of a lesson. It's so mm-hmm. fun to watch. And I know you feel the same because you and I have, you know, we've walked into yeah, rooms. Like I, I, I often think about when you and I, you know, when we were masterminding in our office together, however many years ago, and we were like, you know what, let's really focus in on questions. And you and I walked into several classrooms and several subject at several grade levels. And we wrote down every question that we heard. Yeah, I had my, I had my academic coach do that to me the other day. Did you really? Yeah, she did that to me. She was, I'm, I'm in here to, to write down all your questions. I think it's, it's, so it's a, she wrote my script. It was interesting. It's a powerful practice. Mm-hmm. Just to hear the kind of questions that come out. And I still think about that. Like I was mm-hmm. sitting in a classroom the other day. I wasn't observing or anything. It wasn't even uh, uh, teachers that IT test. Um, I was just in the classroom and I go, you know what? I just want to hear what's happening. And I just kind of jotted down all the questions. And it was really interesting because I did this for a few classrooms. And in one classroom, every question was a process question. You know, kids raise their hand. What do I do now? What am I supposed to do? Where am I going? What am I supposed to look at? Right low tier questions that stem from a lack of clarity of lesson design, communication, et cetera, et cetera. Went into a different class, a math class, nonetheless, incredible questions, questions about the process of a problem, questions about, okay, so what if this was different? What would that look like? Just really Mm -hmm. in depth showing kids thinking deeply about something. Went into a social studies classroom about half and half. There were some process questions, but then there's also some questions about just going into depth of, Hey, you know, this, this really, I feel like this relates to this. How do I connect this to my response? You know, those types of stuff. And it's, it's going into all of that is really interesting and, and finding out the, the ebbs and flows of a class. And so when you take all of those elements and you put it into workshop and you really focus in on kids working, right? Working through their writing, working through their reading, thinking through things over a long period of time and not just bringing up critical thought for an assignment, you get, Mm -hmm. you get a really interesting insight into, uh, what what gets kids motivated in a lesson? And now if you have a class of 25 to 30, it's obviously challenging to get kids moving in a certain direction always. And so that that's where my idea came up with having a bunch of mini lessons and why I would do, you know, however many in a week, you know, roughly four to five a week. Mm -hmm. Um, because that was kind of my style of going, Hey, I'm not going to hit you every day, but by the, by Thursday, I'm going to get a lesson in front of you that encourages you to think about something, engage with something, et cetera, et cetera. How do you deal with the fact that you might have a really great, interesting idea for a lesson or for an intro to a lesson, intro to a unit, whatever. And you're not, you're, you're not going to capture every kid. You might capture 80%. You might capture 75%. How do you pivot to try to get the other kids in, uh, regardless of how successful that initial one is? Well, what I do is, um, this is where some people might call it a turn and talk, but usually when I feel like, and, and I do this with adults too. I mean, cause you know, I teach adults as well. And when I do this, 
it, it's I always include a I might throw a question out there. I might write a question. I might put a word out there, depending on what it is we're doing. Like, for example, let's say I'm teaching that the the standard calls for analyze something, right? Analyze critically. My cat scratching, so I apologize. Stop. What are you doing? Anyway, so sorry about that. But anyway, so um, so like I might say, okay, at your table or with your partner, discuss what you think analyze means. And so now they're having to talk. So I look and see who's not talking, who's really engaged, who's not. And then sometimes I'll do that. And that gets the other group. And then uh, if there's somebody that's been sharing a lot, you know, kids have, you know, you have those few kids that just have all the answers. And so you got to figure out a way to not like be rude to them, but figure out a way to ask other people questions that they can answer. So then I'll say, so what did your partner say? And then they have to tell me what their partner said about, let's just use analyze just for the sake of anything else. But um, so then that's what I'll do is so I might show about, you know, talk a little bit about it, introduce it maybe show that video or show a quote or share somebody's work, you know, or an example, and then have them talk about it and then uh, come back up. Or I might have them all write. That's another one that does it where they all have to write and then, you know, and then, you know, write their response and then share their response. And then, so it just depends on what I want them to do, but I usually figure out a way to make it somewhat interactive. So, I have a question is how do you time this? What do you think is a good inciting event? I don't know if that's the right term, but what do, what do you think is a good length for a, an engagement piece of a unit or lesson that might not be completely standards driven, but might work well to drive kids into that? What do you, I mean, five minutes, 10 minutes, 15, a whole lesson. What do you, what do you think the sweet spot is for something like that? I guess it depends on what you're going to want to do, but I know that there's some, I, I do know this, that some people, and I guess I need it. I've just not been that person. And, but that is where they use a timer and they time everything two minutes, two minutes. I, I'm more of a ebb and flow. So I watch and um, so like maybe at the beginning uh, might be about a minute to two minutes And then I guess when they share, you know, like if I share like a video, I make sure it's not more than three minutes long. Uh, typically, sometimes it might go a little bit longer. Um, you know, sometimes I use those like Khan Academy type videos, you know, just something that kind of helps me explain. Like, so I explain it, then they kind of explain it, or I might give an example. So that would be probably about five minutes at the most. And then we talk about it, their turn and talk or something like that would be another two minutes, maybe three, maybe no more than five, because I want to move them into the, the work. So when you do all that, that adds up to about 12, 15, no more than 20 minutes. I think is that, that is, is that what you wanted to know? Yeah. Okay. Uh, but, I, I, go ahead go ahead no but but what i have seen going into rooms some people need the timers and i'm not saying never use a timer so so don't get me wrong i've just not been one to use a timer because it makes me seem too so scripted that i 
it, it doesn't help me keep the kids' attention for some reason. Now I might I've tried the timers. I a forget to turn them on, or b I keep working through them, or c um, the kids need more time anyway, and I never can time it and it just sometimes feels arbitrary does that make sense mm -hmm. so i kind of let it i'm a little more on the natural side and i just watch and see and if the kids aren't getting it then i will stop and i will reteach it if i have to and then we'll put them back in so sometimes i'll do that i you know I do. I, 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 to go back to something I said a little bit earlier is I think about the mm -hmm. times where I've had like this really creative idea to get kids engaged in something, but it takes too long. And it's just like just planning for a, an idea that I'm like, oh, yeah, this will be good. This is a great intro into to this concept. So let's I don't know. Let's go to a middle school piece. Let's think of all summer and a day. Right. Ray Bradbury. Uh -huh. I love All Summer and a Day. Of course. That's where you get relish from, right? Relish. Yeah. And Danny Lion and and uh Dandy Wine Lion or yeah. Dandy Wine. Dandy Dandy Lion Wine. No, Dandy Lion Wine. So, Dandy Lion wine. so uh let's take that for example. So the idea, like I remember setting up this lesson the first time I ever taught that story, where I I had talked about the sun and Actually, that's not how I started. Let me back up. Let me back up. I talked about taking things for granted and the things that I had kids think about things that are regular in their life that they might take for granted because of it. Right. And a lot of them said, you know, their parents or something like that. And some kids, you know, we talked about like the fact that they get to eat every day. And so we had a really great discussion about all of this. Um, but it went too long and it went down all these rabbit holes. And so it, I, I kind of missed the point going into the next thing because the, my idea was the main character in that story is she's waiting for the sun. This is like her moment. And she eventually, spoiler alert, doesn't see it because kids oh, throw her in a closet. Right. Sad. And of course it's sad, but it, it's the idea of being a, a some people might take something for granted that they have all the time and it might be special to you. And uh, my heart was in the right place and my mind was in the right place. But ultimately, the the inciting event, the the catch of the lesson just didn't really connect. And it's sometimes I feel I feel like that's hard, uh, especially in mm -hmm. a place where that might not be so determined to teach the standards or to have data for everything that the you know, it's easier to get lost in the weeds so to speak um and i know i know i asked you you know kind of what time frame is good for you but how do you how do you measure that in real time like try I, I, i'm curious at your process just in your mind of of feeling out like okay it's time to move on i need to double down on this because a lot of this is feeling because you know we say all the time many lessons should be 15 25 minutes but we, you know just as well as i know you probably know better than this because you're way more comfortable at extending stuff than i am but yeah it don't bother me <laughs> but how do you how do you think about that i want to deconstruct this for for our listeners which is how do you what are the like your touchstones of saying 
man, I really need to double down on this. I need to extend this. I need, okay, I'm losing them. What are the things that you're looking for to kind of judge when you're wanting to jump to the next phase of, of your lesson? Well, I think if they're answering my questions and I've, I've made sure that everything that I want asked has been asked and they've, they've, they've actually answered those questions. I check for understanding uh, and then I send them out. And then about that time when I send them out to work, they all raise their hands and I go, okay, what else? <laughs> That's like when they start doing the work, they don't know what, I, I mean, I, I just ask, I don't say this, this is me thinking, I, I just ask y'all what questions you had, but really, truly, they don't know they have questions until they start working. And so then when I have too many, too, too many kids raising their hands, I'm like, okay, everybody, hang on. Now that we've started working, are there any other questions, <laughs> you know, but I was, I just found my questions. That's what I was looking for. I don't know if you saw that I was looking, but I found the questions and they went from, the the lady was in there from 1205 to 1215 in that time frame it looks like i ask um 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 9 10 12 uh looks like at least 10 kids had received a question from me about a word apparently they were told that they had to look up words we were doing i was teaching mood it looks like and in that started like at 1205 in that, I even asked a student how to say it in Spanish because I had a Spanish-speaking student there to even try to help them a little bit. But um, what they had to do is when they were reading, they had to write a list of words. They had to go back into their reading, and then they had to list words that showed mood from the, what they read. So I'm asking them what their words are. So they were giving me words and it looks like I was writing them on the board. And there was one where one girl apparently didn't have any words. So I said, do you want me to help you find a word? I'll come over there and help you in a minute to find a word. So that's what she said. And then another one, uh, I asked somebody what their word was. And then my answer was, then my question next, after I went through and had everybody that was in there. It looks like they all gave me a word. So I put it on the board. And then my question was, how did these words impact mood? How did these words impact mood? Uh, and then I put, why do you, why did you pick these words? Uh, these are the questions that were asked. Why would an author use these words? Uh, does anyone else have any other reason why an author would use the word? And somebody must have answered because I said I agreed with them. And then I put, who... Who's important to the story? I don't know why I said that. And then how do these words impact the reader? And then I went on to, uh, then I had them talk to each other about their words or something like that. It looks like at some point I did that. So anyway, that was from 12.05. That was 10 minutes worth of questions. And then I guess, I don't know what I did after that because it's not on there. So I do ask a lot of questions. So how did I gauge that? I know that was your question to me. And that is, I think I just make sure that everybody has a chance to, to input and I watch the clock. And then, you know, and then I guess probably at about 10 or 15 minutes, I start getting them to work. Cause it looks like the next thing I did 
was uh, give them some notes on what mood is, and then they use their words. And so I told them some stuff about mood, and then I gave them an example, and then they had to go to work and and write mood in their own. They had to go to their stories and find and add mood words to their story is how it ended up. You know, you're, I want to hit on this because I don't, Uh-oh. well, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I'm answering your questions. I, you, I don't know. It doesn't matter. It, it's, okay. it's, we're, we're taking some rabbit holes tonight and that's okay. You're all right. I, I want to hone in on what you just said though, because this is something mm-hmm. that you do that I've, I don't see often. It, probably I've never really seen in a classroom, which is you are so good at looking at something in a text, whether it be a full novel that everyone's reading, an independent reading book, a passage that you read in a mini lesson, a picture book that you're showing, whatever. And then pushing kids to go find those things in their own, in their own writing, their own work, everything that's kind of going on. Right. And I wanted to know kind of the origin of that and, and how you develop that skill, because I, I think it's it's a piece of workshop that a, a lot of people miss. And it's a mm-hmm. piece of thinking of teaching that a lot of people miss. But I, I don't know if a lot of people come into contact with that because there's really I mean, that's not something you hear about at PD a lot. You know, when you go to professional development, they don't really talk about that concept a lot. So, I mean, do you, can you break that down for people? The concept of of, of just pushing kids kids, to do the work. Well, to push kids back. So you read something, but then pushing them back into the work and saying, Hey, do you notice this in your own stuff? How do you incorporate this in your, so what's that Mm -hmm. thought process like? Well, I mean, I I think it all started years ago when, I think it just really starts from Abydos, all my training with Abydos and this idea that that I want to treat these students as readers, writers, as ge- when I taught geography, they were geographers. And so the whole thing is, what would a geographer do? What would a what would a reader do? I mean, they have to all our questions that we have for standards, right? All of them, they deal with how does the reader Whatever. And I mean, it's always how does the reader? So those questions like, you know, how does the reader select words? How does the reader uh, develop his message? How does the reader, I mean, not the reader, but the author? It's always about what, what does the author do? So then this idea of the fact that they start thinking of themselves. I want my students to think of themselves as readers and writers. When they leave my class, I want them to know that they are readers and writers. They might not come into my class as readers and writers, but I want them going out as readers and writers. And I want them to be literate about anything in their world that they can be literate about. And I feel like reading and teaching English is a great way to get them literate about a lot of things. So I try to share all kinds of stuff with them uh, when it comes to like, uh, you know, the the stuff that we have to do, don't get me wrong. But when I do a paired passage, I try to try to find some of the most interesting things that I think would be interesting to them and share it with them. And I try to share them with things with them that they don't know. Like, like when you talked about all summer in a day, 
there's a rock song that was out years ago in the 70s that was all about the children of the sun. That's the name of it. And I played a piece of it. It's real, uh, you know, it's real uh, whatever. I can't remember. Um, has a synthesizer and it's, you know, it's that old 70s synthesizer music and all that kind of stuff. And so I kind of played that to catch their attention. And then I talked to them about Ray Bradbury and science fiction and, you know, how, you know, it's the stuff of music, but I try to make it real, you know, futuristic. So I think, I think what I do is, is I think about how can I think about them how can I get them to think about themselves as readers and writers? And what do readers and writers do? Well, writers read in order to become better writers. And that's really what it's all about. So when I set out to ask questions and things like that, I start thinking, what questions can I ask to make them actually become the reader and writer that I want them to be? I know I, that was a roundabout answer. Well, I... I I, I think it's all. Just, what were you gonna say? What are you gonna say? I don't know. I, I don't know what I was gonna say. All <laughs> I know is that it started a long time ago, and I think it's the way I learn, and it gives them the reason why they're doing it. I don't know. I don't know why I do what I do. I know. I know this. I think it makes a difference, and, and I think it's all about teaching within context. So if you want really to put some labels to it, it's teaching within context. It's like the other day we had, um, there was something that we were reading something and grammar came up and, oh, it was apostrophes. And I just immediately started teaching. This is what this looks like. See it up here. This is how you write it. Now, find a place in your writing real quick and see if you can, you know, are you using it? Are you not using it? If you're not using it, is there a place where you can use it? You know, whatever it was. I think it was apostrophes at the time. Maybe contractions or something. I don't remember. But like, so, but right then and there, wherever it is, even if it's a vocabulary word, I stop and teach it. And, and I teach it in about maybe, you know, 15 seconds. You can do a whole lot in 15 seconds. You can, actually. You can do a whole lot in anything. In In 10 seconds, yeah. Well, and that's... You know, I'm I think that's why I'm enjoying my role as a principal so much is because I'm able to be into a lot of aspects of teaching and I'm able to see a lot of perspectives. Um, I think that's why I liked being a coach for a little bit, too, is because diving into what works, you know, as as staunch as you and I are on workshop and as passionate as we are, um, I think you and I both accept that there it's not the only way to teach something that it, it, no. there, there's multiple ways to go through something, which, by the way, and this is <laughs> this, this is going to seem random, but I think it's relevant to this conversation. Our audience will will support this. I had okay. someone, believe it or not. So I shared a post. It was it was several weeks ago. I mean, possibly. I mean, maybe a few months ago, to be honest. My memory is bad sometimes, but it was, it was a while ago. I had posted something about, you know, just just kind of praising all the things I'm a part of, not because I, I think everyone should care about them, but just like being, I'm very thankful that, you know, teach me teacher successful. I'm thankful that the books have done well. I'm thankful that I have craft and draft and, uh, and, and everything else that is going on. Um, 
But one of the pieces was talking about my love of workshop and how we have a podcast dedicated to people who care about the same things we do, you know, a, a quaint little audience that cares about workshop and, and reading and writing on a, on a deeper level. And I had someone DM me, Miss Ochoa, on Instagram, and they said, workshop, question mark? How could you care about something that has proven not to work for so many? Oh, really? The science of reading has shown that workshop does not work. And I commented and I said, well, I understand how you feel, but it's hard to deny the power of workshop when we took a failing campus and made it competitive across all of our comparison groups. It's hard to deny the effectiveness of workshop when we took kids that don't have a lot of literacy background and become kids that are confident not only in their ability to control the written word or read it, but have actively achieved at a higher level at the high school level. People don't know that the campus that you're at and that I was at for eight years, seven years, is a campus that when they go to high school, they get put together with the most affluent middle school in the district. So the lowest socioeconomic school gets paired with the highest socioeconomic yep. school in competition. And our kids compete at the exact same level and often mm -hmm. dominate because of a lot of other factors. And so having someone reach out about that, it was so funny because I'm like, man, there is this dogmatic culture of education that happens sometimes. And I'm thankful that you and I, we, we have our passions and we care about what we care about. And we definitely push a certain narrative about what should happen in literacy instruction. But I, we, I feel like we've never been closed off to listening to other people. You and I would, would absolutely entertain conversations with anyone who feels like they know what they're talking about. It might not mean we agree by the end of the conversation, but we, I don't think we're we're so dogmatic and closed off, but I think that that leads to the success of of what we do in the classroom, right? What we advocate for in the classroom that it's not it's not about us. We at the end of the day, it's not a hey, I was right. It's a man, this decision really helped kids. This decision grew them. And sometimes those decisions are different than maybe what we thought before. But I think that at the end of the day, it's those conversations that should really shape how, how educators move forward, how we, how we talk about things. And I think, you know, to go back to even the topic of this is, you know, some people hold the line of, well, it doesn't matter if kids are engaged, they need to learn this, they need to learn that. But I, I, you know, I think that thinking about that engagement piece and thinking about, you know, how can I get them to care about this on a, on a real level? I think that is an absolutely essential piece of lesson design that isn't always talked about. Um, and there's right. multiple ways to do it. The way I do it, it's going to be different than the way you do it, the way, uh, our listeners do it. But I think that it, uh, I think if you're being true to you and true to what you do. I think you're going to get kids on board. I think I think you prove this all the time in the sense that, you know, you bring out picture books and you do a bunch of different stuff, but you have high engagement and that becomes something that uh, it's it's hard to teach and deconstruct. Like you said, you were like, I don't you you know, you were talking about how you I don't deconstruct my process a lot. I think it's powerful to do that every once in a while.
Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I do. I think about it. It's just I, I can't. I have a hard time putting a name on it sometimes. I, I I do know this. The other day, actually, it was yesterday. I had we're my kids. We were doing drama. I think I was sharing that with you. And I had my student, my uh, my honors kids. Okay, they did a tournament. We had a drama tournament, and I gave them a little short drama. Uh, it was kind of cute, had a little irony in it. And I put them all in groups. They had the same script and there was four of them, four groups. And they, from that script, they had to put together, they had like a day or a, yeah, a day to read it and figure out what they were going to do. And then the next day I put them in a tournament format and they had to draw when they went. And then I put them in a tournament format. So everybody had to present twice. Okay. So that was fun. That was one thing we did. They all enjoyed it. It was great. And uh, then the next thing they had to do is they had to write their own play. And their play had to be two acts with a minimum of three scenes in each each act. They could do more, but that was just their minimum. You know, and so they've needed a lot of time on this. And I gave them that play that I'd already given them for their script. That's the play that they modeled after. So we talked about how authors, playwrights, you know, they italicize and they put their stage directions. And, you know, so we even talked about all that. They had to handwrite it, you know, kind of write their script a little bit, you know, put it on. The reason I make them write it, we talked about how important paper is but from there it also ensures that that's their idea it helps me know that so I have to turn in their pre-writing and then their plan and then and then they typed it but anyway what where I was going with this is is I've given them quite a bit of time because they need time and that's where workshop is really good because you do your lesson I gave them a lesson on drama i mean there's the notes are still up on my board you know how how do they do stage directions and and our standard our main standard is how does a playwright develop characters through dialogue and staging that is the actual standard and so that's the main thing that that they were not sure you know so that's what we're doing we're looking at characters and how does that playwright do that and so what i told them is this is something we we studied by acting it out looking at it looking at about two other plays and then they had to write their own play and their own idea and it's not an idea i gave them it's their own idea okay so here's the thing so yesterday and i wanted it already due because i need to grade it but they need time. And so I've given them as much time. So here's this boy. He comes up to me and he goes, Miss Ochoa, I just want to let you know, you have given us a lot of time on this play. And I am so thankful for the time you've given me. And I never realized, I didn't even know how to type italics. And I figured that all out. You show me. And, and he said, um, so, so yesterday I spent I realized I wasn't italicizing correctly. So I went through and italicized all my stuff. So I've got that done, but I need a little more time to finish whatever. Can I have that time? He said, because I'm really learning a lot. I had no idea that plays were so involved and and uh, I'm really working on my character. And it was just so cute because it's like, dude, I didn't ask you to stay after and give me all the affirmation. <laughs> you know, I mean, number one, he he appreciates the time, right? He's learning how to write. He's coming up with ideas. He's also learning how to type. 
you know, in a way that, I mean, how many kids learn, you know, they don't learn it anymore. We don't do keyboarding and all of that stuff. So that's what I mean. I want to well-round it, but I have given them time and I've given them a window of time to turn it in. He needed a little bit more. I let him have it. I told him he could have the time. I mean, what's more important for me? And that, and that was where the point is. I was talking to somebody about that. And I said, is it more important that I get it turned in on this deadline? Or is it more important for him to feel good about the work he's doing and giving him the time that it takes to do the work? I guarantee you. And not only that, he gets to choose his own. Like he chose his own character. They created their character out of the blue. You know, I gave them a way to do that. And then they've developed this whole story around this character. Well, now we're moving into argument. So now we're also writing argument. Well, I put up three lists. What matters to you most? What do you have a strong opinion about? And what do you think needs to be changed? Those are the three questions that I ask. They're all listing. Guess what I'm getting? I'm not getting, do we need to have uniforms in school? That's not the paper I'm getting. I'm getting a paper that means something to them. Not a paper that means something to me. And it's just interesting to see how they go about creating all of these things. It's just it's just fascinating. I, I just so I think that's what workshop does. And I I think that's why it's important. And it and it allows you to give these kids a writing and reading and thinking identity, a learning identity that they wouldn't have they wouldn't have otherwise. You know it's hard to even follow up that Ochoa. It's <laughs> I don't. Know. I think it's awesome. We're gonna. <laughs> I think. I think that's gonna be the capso for this. I don't know where we went okay. on this episode, Miss Ochoa. We went everywhere. Guys. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully you wanted to do the start of a mini lesson. I don't know. We win everywhere. It's okay. I think people are going to okay. enjoy this. Well, and if you did enjoy it, ladies and gentlemen, hit subscribe. Of so you don't miss any other podcasts. We release them every single Friday. We also release bonus episodes every single month on our Patreon page. If you want those bonus episodes, bonus trainings, and so much more, join us on the Patreon page. You can support us at the listener or listener plus tier. There are different perks to each, but guaranteed that it is a place unlike any other in terms of reading writing workshops. So if that's what you like, if that's what you enjoy, and if you want more of this podcast, that is where you should be. If you don't want to do that, if you don't have any dollars to pass our way, that's okay. Subscribe, leave a review. Those reviews help us rank among the top educator podcast on the podcast feeds. Come back next week for another fantastic conversation and know that we are here for you.